Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Some brands offer you low finance, or cashback, or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar, with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Wednesday. It's December 5th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is... James Davis. From DailyFantasySportsRankings.com, DFSR.com for short. Head on over to the site, DFSR.com slash deals. You know the drill. It gives you a free... uh, Excuse me, seven... I didn't know the drill. It gives you a free seven-day trial to our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab. Optimal laps for FanDuel and DraftKings. NBA, another winning night last night. NFL through the rest of the season. Um, premium subscription uh, packaging also includes premium chat with our members and us leading up into locks. Uh, and then premium content, betting articles, uh, stacks, and a bunch of other stuff included. NHL Optimizer releasing today, I think, to, to premium users. So go check that out, dfsr.com slash deals. It's all covered under one subscription package. No, no, I don't think there's going to be another better deal in the business. We have a huge slate of NBA tonight coming off. Uh, I, I was like, all I don't even want to get probably too far into like the ownership percentages last night. We were so far off the chalk in some spots last night that I just couldn't believe it. And I was, I know you didn't play last night, so I'm not going to go too crazy. But real quick, when you see like uh, Demonis Sabonis at 80%, at seventy seven hundred coming off the bench, I was like, "Good." I told people in chat, "I was like, good. That's awesome." Absolutely. Like that's <laughs> like I just like don't I, I cannot believe people are going to pay this amount. Like Darren Fox was eight thousand. He was eighty percent. We were both off both those guys. Both underperformed. Um, what, what do you, what's your feelings on that? It's like when you look at some ownership percentages, right? And it's way off your expectation because this is the thing, something DFS players you know deal with a lot. When ownership percentages, especially overwhelming chalk, are way off your expectation, do you have like a is there a certain feeling or is it kind of like case specific on certain players that you go through? That say like you know sometimes it's like oh here we go or other times like last night where I was like hell yeah dude this is great like this is exactly where we want to be yeah it depends on, I mean not all nights are created equally there sometimes like a sick feeling is when you sit there and you're deciding between Westbrook and Brow as your big money payoff guy you pick Westbrook and Brow has eighty percent ownership because then that guy was a good play and it just increases your variance like and not in like a very fun way because right. you have to root against an incredibly good player and. I don't really like that very much when it comes to when it comes to someone who's just demonstrably a bad play. I get really excited. That means that eighty percent of the field put themselves at a huge disadvantage, and that's a good situation for me. That's why I sign up. Now it still increases variance. Obviously, that guy could go off and just have a great game for no reason. Uh, there's you know having one guy having too much exposure against the field or with the field. It just really shifts your variance around. So, yeah, I don't 
like in a night like last night, Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox, I would be thrilled to see that, and I would not mind fading the chop. So yeah, Sabonis was fine. Uh, Fox underperformed mostly because they just didn't see any minutes in that against that ter- terrible, terrible Suns team. Anyway, okay, let's roll through. We're gonna talk um, some betting strategy today. We're gonna talk DFS plays. Obviously, uh, this will be posted up on YouTube. Also, if you want to check that out, that'll be in the link for uh, that'll be in the link for the podcast. So if you want to go look at our uh, shiny heads talking basketball, go check it out. We're gonna cover everything here on a full Wednesday of basketball. Golden State. Goes in and plays Cleveland, eleven point home. Excuse me, eleven point road favorites for the Warriors, who, for all intents and purposes, seem like they are just you know when they get such a difference when a guy like Curry's back around um, and playing well, uh, they are again huge favorites. They've been coming off the blowout of Atlanta, where Curry went totally bonkers in the first quarter, ended up ten for seventeen and six for ten from three. Uh, and then we have the Cleveland side where they're playing big minutes out of some of these. You know, some of these wing guys like Osman and Hood, we saw Alec Burks actually play crunch time minutes for them. Anything you like in this game? Yeah, I mean, so it's for starters, we have a big slate here. And right away when I see that one team is heavily favored to destroy the other, that's going to make me want to turn away from it. So that's like my initial impression. And I guess I would always start, if I had to play a game like this, I would probably start with the better team. uh, Because, you know, if they're going to blow out the other team, it stands to reason that the good players will probably do something or at least one or two of them. Uh, I don't really feel too excited about this because I think a lot of the Golden State guys are still priced to a point where Curry was out. I mean, Durant's price has come down a little bit. Clay's price has come down a little bit, but they're still in the ballpark of where they were. And yeah, they are like on any given night, they're already not that interesting of plays. So I don't think I'm going to really be tapping into the Golden State side. On the Cleveland side, I think it's a little bit more interesting just because you still have a situation where a lot of these guys are playing a lot of minutes and they're very cheap. And since they have so few available options, these guys tend to play a lot of minutes unless things are like outrageously out of hand. Um, So I guess, you know, so people like Seti Osman, if you need to fill out the small forward position, which is pretty weak today, I suppose you could do it. But even on that side, I can't say that I'm too thrilled either. Yeah, I mean, we're coming off a game where they played against the Nets. The guys like Thompson went off. Um, you know, said he didn't. He, you know, his minutes dropped a little bit to under 30. He's going to get cut into a little bit if they start bringing uh, guys like Clarkson and Burks to play together off the bench, which they did. I'm somewhat interested in Burks here just because he's still cheap on FanDuel. And he is a guy, like, he's one of the few bench guys that I'd be interested in playing just because he can just make his own <laughs> make his own luck, essentially. Like, that's a, you know, we, we I look at bench guys differently. Like, there's the... Lou Williams, Alec Burks, Jordan Clarkson group of guys that you can kind of start thinking about starter prices on them simply because they're going to go in and get theirs. Like Clarkson put up 22 shots off the bench, Burks put up uh, 13 shots. Um, but that lifts is pretty small. But I would include Burks in that because only just because Well, they're also cheap. playing Burks at small forward, basically. And the fact, I mean, he has six rebounds or more in each of his three games so far, right? Yep. So that's a huge fundamental, that's an underlying assumption change about Burks coming from Utah where he would go 26 minutes with no rebounds, 15 minutes. Like he played a, let's see, a 62-minute stretch earlier this season with no rebounds. <laughs> and he's got uh, 19 rebounds in a very similar number of minutes in starting with Cleveland. So you got to, like if you're making your own system for some god-awful reason and not signing up with us, uh, you should really adjust those numbers upward for sure. And Burks, just last point, he they, he was the guy they had to take the final shot in the game the other night against Brooklyn. Like, that was a guy playing crunch time, so I think they want to play him. He's been a dynamic fantasy guy per minute when he can get the minutes, and that's really all you're worried about. 4,100 on FanDuel, I can talk myself into it. Our system slightly likes Golden State on the over here, um, and 
you can probably you can start talking yourself into the mi- into the minus eleven on their side. It's not an over. Our system doesn't have it as an overwhelming difference though. So I'd probably tread a little lightly on that unless we get some uh, injury news coming in here. Denver goes in and plays Orlando. Denver's a five-point home favorite, excuse me, road favorite against an Orlando team coming on the back-to-back last night. Aaron Gordon coming off a big game. The news that you're that you're getting out of this game is that Joe Harris, excuse me, not Joe Harris, Gary Harris is going to sit out the game uh, with the hip injury. I guess that means they're going to start Torrey Craig again. They in the two games that Harris sat out before, Craig started both. One game played a lot of minutes. The other game did not play all that much. Thoughts on? Torrey Craig is a punt, and then with Gary Harris out, how much more? Not a guy I like to play a lot, but when guys like guys like Harris are out, Jamal Murray, I think, definitely gets a tick up here. Could you talk yourself into maybe some of these wing guys? Yeah, I mean, I think if you believe in the minutes on Craig, he becomes playable. He does have a a little bit of a history of being a Dante Cunningham All Star, where he just goes right. out there and does absolutely nothing, even on big minutes. I mean, he was starting and we totally ignored him for a decent portion of the early season in spite of the fact that his price never came up because he's going to be the full-on fifth option in that offense. And he also, incidentally, is somewhat scoring dependent too. So when you're the fifth guy in the offense and you're scoring dependent, that's not always a great recipe. Uh, Craig's been rebounding the ball a little bit better recently, and that can be an indicator of you know, luck or it can be an indication that the team's playing him in a slightly different spot on the court. I guess you keep an eye on it. Um, I think on FanDuel, where you can throw someone away, it becomes a little bit more attractive. On DraftKings, I don't know that I would want to go there. Uh, Jamal Murray, to me, is just not a guy I'm interested in on any given night for the most part. Um, you know, he's the point guard. He'll see a little bit uptick in usage. But for a point guard, this guy is typically not one of the higher guys in the league in terms of time of possession. And that's kind of a you know stat that's heavily correlated with both assists and just being involved in plays in general. You know, the, the Nuggets are a little bit more of an egalitarian offense than teams with better point guards. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't can't say I'm over the moon on Murray. Yeah, I think that the one thing, the reason I'd be more interested in him, like I said, he does, he definitely sees a minutes and usage uptick with Harris off the court. Played 40 minutes last time Harris didn't play. Put up 23 shots, which was the most of the, uh, most of the season so far. And is also coming off a 21-shot game against Toronto where Harris went down. Um, like, Harris went down during that game and didn't, and didn't come back. And he, yeah, that Murray was the second, didn't pay value in that game. And that was the second most. Yeah, no, uh, well, that's, that's not true. He had 30-21. I'm, I'm adding this up right now. He had 34 he had, fantasy points on a $7,000 price tag. So, he didn't kill Oh, he had seven turnovers. Sorry, I was I didn't see the seven turnovers. Um, yeah. The uh, I was well. That's the problem, with Murray. He's just not very good. So the more the ball's in his hands, he can make stuff happen. But like, yeah, the turnovers are going to be part and parcel. And I think the turnovers also are why he can tend to, you know, just kind of randomly disappear from the offense for a little while. The coach gets sick of him just dribbling the ball off his foot or <laughs> throwing it into traffic or whatever. Um, I think I'm a little. I think I probably like him a little bit more than you do. I, I'm a, more bullish on the minutes. I, I'm also wondering about the minutes. What you think on Jokic? Jokic has now played 36 and 32 in his last two games. Obviously, was phenomenal against Toronto the other night with the triple double. Um, is he a guy you think that we can begin starting to tick the minutes up on? Like we have him at 32 minutes now, uh, but in a game against Vucevic with a you know big guy down underneath, no Harris on the court. Um, w- you know, where do you kind of land on a guy like him? 32 minutes is about as low as we'll ever project a superstar level guy at, and that's been the problem for Jokic most of the season. Yeah, it's more minutes than he averages, so I don't think it sounds low, if that's what you're asking. Um, I think the 35, when everything's going perfect for Jokic, he can be out there for 35, and even I guess he played 36 against Minnesota, and that was another case where they really needed him against a premier center. But yeah, he just, just 
look at his game log. Like, if you if you're gonna pay ninety four hundred dollars for a guy, and he paid it against Toronto, and prior to that, the last time he had paid this price was November seventeenth. So maybe you think a two game trend in terms of the minutes is meaningful. I tend to not. Um, I, I really like three games in a spot like that, and I would really I prefer five. Frankly, I, I don't know why he needs to be this expensive given how few minutes he generally plays. And I get that there's the upside. Like, if he does play 35 minutes, he could really go off here. I mean, Orlando has been one of the most generous teams to opposing centers in the league over the course of several years with very similar personnel. So I get the dream here, but I'm not going to play him for cash for sure. Yep, he's a guy that we're typically under uh, underweight on on any given night just because we're just never going to be very bullish with the minutes. Our line, our system does not see any uh, overwhelming edge on either on either one of these teams or with the over-under. Washington, uh, excuse me, not Washington, Atlanta. Uh, the next game on the list, is, yeah, excuse me, Washington and Atlanta. Washington is a five-point road favorite against the, the Hawks. The Hawks are basically are in the zone of the perfect DFS matchup at this point. This is We're back yeah. into sort of where we were when um, you know the Suns were running their peak just sprint up and down the court not do and play not even a single lick of defense they're sort of getting back toward that um as they deal with some injuries but atlanta's right there they're the worst they're excuse me they're the 23rd in defensive efficiency right now and they pay play a league high pace at 108.4 and really no other team is even all that close to the pace they're playing so this is right where this is right where you want to be in terms of volume uh on a dfs perspective and from that point of view where do you see guys like wall and beal the prices come up especially on beal a little bit he's got a couple of good games they're dealing with their own injury issues, but specifically, I think looking at the backcourt here, is there a cash game case for these two guys? I feel like I only really want to play them when they're in perfect matchups, but this does seem like the one. Yeah, I mean, there's a clear case for Wall. I think he'll be heavily owned. I think he was 38% owned in that New York game, and granted, Beal was out for that one, so he was getting the additional tick up for that, but uh, he was excellent. And like I mentioned with Wall, it's been kind of weird this season. The time of possession has kind of fluctuated, and part of that's been based on Beal's health, but I still think that uh, given how point guard looks to me tonight, too, I think you can probably play well with a clear conscience. Beal's a little bit more interesting to me. Like I, I won't say that I totally understand why he's priced the way he is. Um, the, certainly this his fantasy points per game over the course of the whole season don't really support prices like these. But you can see little stretches where he'll put it together, and then you'll see <laughs> stretches where he absolutely doesn't, too. But I, I'd rather not play Beal um, if I'm picking between the two. I'd certainly rather start with Wall. And especially in that $8,500 price tag on Fandle, Beal's a little bit in no man's land. Like, you know, if I'm putting him up against, and it doesn't always work out exactly this way, but like playing, say, Beal and then a mid-range point guard or like a cheap shooting guard and Russell Westbrook, like I would always rather do that, you know? And uh, being in the mid-range, it almost, like we often play very, very few of these mid-range guys just because of the cascading effect it has on the rest of your lineup. Yeah, um, just a correction. Beal did play that New York game. Um, I d- what game am I thinking of? The Brooklyn game. Uh, uh, Beal's played every game, so I'm not sure what you're thinking of. No, but the, Beal um, missed a game. Oh, who? No, I'm sorry. That was Otto Porter. Goodness me. Yeah, uh, when yeah. Otto Porter missed. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, I totally misspoke there. But, um, and Sadoransky was in the lineup. Porter is back. Sadoransky is still in the starting lineup. Sadoransky's coming yeah. cheap. You got to remember a guy. I know Sadoransky's coming cheap, and he'll play some minutes when this guy shares the court with Wheel and, uh, Wall and Beal. They, there's good luck ever touching the ball. Like that, he is he is there for just to make sure. They can legally yeah. fill out a legally fill out a <laughs> roster, um, and yeah, because sure. they the, the referee wouldn't let them start if they only had four players on the court. So uh, just keep that in mind. I need to bring up down his usage a little bit. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Atlanta, Terry and Prince is out. That hasn't 
And, you know, if you look back at the games where he's missed, it hasn't doesn't really translate itself completely to fantasy production for anyone else just because this is a team that is just fine running guys out for 25 minutes and calling it a day, playing all 12 guys uh, on the court to make sure everyone gets their participation trophy. So I'm not sure I'm really seeing it on the Atlanta side. I will say right now our system is liking the under on this game. Uh, we've been here with Atlanta 2 in the under, though, so I'm going to tread with a little bit of caution that our system at times is not, I don't think totally, hasn't completely and utterly picked up how bad Atlanta is on defense yet. So I think I, that's the only, we've been on the under for Atlanta and their opponents a couple times, um, and I'm just, uh, it's something I want to kind of check into. But right now we are coming heavy under uh, both sides of the ball, and I'm not sure I would have an amazing amount of confidence uh, in on that side of it. Okay, OKC goes in and plays Brooklyn. Uh, OKC seven point home favorites. I keep screwing this up. I can't figure out who's on the road and who's at home. Seven point road favorites uh, against the Nets. I wrote up Westbrook as possibly the big money payoff on a slate where there are a couple of guys to think about, specifically uh, Davis and Giannis, and we're going to get into those guys. But Westbrook, uh, at least on FanDuel, is right now he's eighteen hundred less than Davis, uh, twenty uh, seventeen hundred less than Giannis. Great matchup here. And we've kind of seen a return to the Russell Westbrook of old, the triple-double Russ. Um, is he a guy, I, right now our system likes him as basically a lock cash game play at these prices. Are you trusting Are you trusting that kind of ownership level? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's got one of the best matchups in the league against Brooklyn. Um, I think the production is supported by the price tag. If there's anything to be worried about, it's the fact that Russ will lose those minutes in blowout situations. I think OKC is trying to tread a little bit more carefully. And we've seen the last two games uh, that... You know where they've been in a position to. They have taken away some of his minutes, so it's not without risk. But I think in a matchup this good, I think you probably shoulder the risk and move on with it. I guess the other thing, when you're discussing risk, you want to compare him against the other big money plays. And you know Washington and Atlanta, uh, there's certainly blowout risk there. Obviously the Golden State Cleveland game. Um, I, I think really the only game that I see with stars in it that I would consider. Might be like Philly, Toronto, but even that one has got a relatively low total just because the teams are actually good so or and play good defense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Westbrook, it'd be hard to not have Westbrook. Like He would be the guy you asked about if you're off the chalk. If I was off the Westbrook chalk, I'd be pretty concerned about it. And like I said, on FanDuel, you're just getting such a savings on him compared to the other the other big group. You don't get that savings on DraftKings, by the way. Um, he is right in within a couple hundred bucks of the guys I mentioned before. So you're not getting such a big spread on salary on Westbrook on DraftKings, but on FanDuel you are. Uh, I, I think, like, right now, I'd be sh- if guys in 99% of our top 50 lineups, I don't imagine that is something that changes. Uh, Joe Harris looks like he's back for Brooklyn. Some people have kind of wanted to play, like, Damari Carroll and uh, Alan Crabb and guys like this with Joe Harris out. Uh, but Harris looks like he's going to be back. OKC is a very good defensive team, too, so it's not typically a team you want to go uh, targeting. Um, the other guy I really want to discuss, though, quickly is Steven Adams. We, the sites are beginning to figure out here that when there are certain matchups that you're going to get price increases on guys. Uh, Adams looks like he's one of them. He's up to 7700 on FanDuel. And Wally Babylon, I'll check his uh, DraftKings price real quick. 6700 on DraftKings. We've talked about in the past, Brooklyn is the very best matchup you can get for opposing centers. They are allowing an, an unbelievable amount of production to opposing centers. Every single night, if you play center for the other team, you put up huge numbers against Brooklyn. It's just been on lock. Even Tristan Thompson almost went like 20-20 the other night. Um, is Adams a guy at 7,700 on FanDuel that you can consider paying up for in cash games just because of, of the matchup? We, we have Julius Randle there right now, but I, that's a that's a uh, Miritich kind of question. So what, what are your thoughts here on Adams at 77? Yeah, Adams is kind of a funny guy. Um, you know, he suffers from the same thing some of the other guys we've discussed tonight suffer from, which is 
he's not really like the top option in the offense. But one thing we've seen about OKC, especially um, with Russ focusing on piling up assists, is he will try to find the good matchups. And, you know, Adams unequivocally has that. Uh, So I think if you're looking at centers, I think, you know, looking at the recent game logs, his past production, just his overall fantasy points per game on the season, um, this price is pretty reasonable on Adams. And you put him in the best possible matchup and he absolutely becomes playable. 6,700 on DraftKings. I think you're feeling pretty good about it there. Yeah. The only thing you're worried about uh, is blowout risk, and the Vegas does not have this game coming in at anything like a blowout risk. So uh, our system has, our system actually does have it, but that might be a Joe Harris minutes issue. So I'll double check on that. Like we have right now OKC easily covering this total and covering the over, um, but it might be a wonky minutes issue for Brooklyn. So I'll check into that. By the way, I'll have a betting article going up today that'll clear up a lot of this stuff, and hopefully we're going to have some of this posted on our site sooner than later. So um, just want to make nod to it as I know people get more and more into one to um, just have some action on just like the Vegas side of some of these games. Uh, and then, like I said, Brooklyn, I'm not, I don't think we need to be all that interested. You need, you need multiple injuries out of the Nets before you really start uh, considering them <laughs> uh, on a, from a DFS perspective. Hornets go in play the Timberwolves. Timberwolves are five-point home favorites here of 222 over-under. The news out of Charlotte is that they are going to be without Marvin Williams in this game. Um, and I'm I'm wondering if we can just like try to quickly dissect where and Cody Zeller's probable. So Zeller had sat out, but then uh, he's back. But Marvin Williams is out. Williams does open power forward minutes here uh, for yep. Charlotte. This is not Williams has not really been a guy we wanted to target because they play sort of deeper rotations. Any really outside of Jeremy Lamb and Kemba Walker, it's hard to trust many much in the way of minutes. But it seems like this Williams injury should open things up. Let's say you got we got news that Frank Kaminsky was definitely starting. Um, mm-hmm. Is he a guy that we'd be willing to start punting away with uh, at 3,900 on FanDuel? He's a guy that can definitely disappear on you at times, especially with a high-usage guy like Kemba. But as a 3,900, if Kaminsky was in the starting lineup, would that be someone we'd be interested in stomaching uh, on FanDuel, at least for cash? Yeah, I think you would go for it. I think it would enable you to do a lot of other nice things at other positions. Uh, Kaminsky can shoot. He can rebound the ball a little bit. Um, we've seen him in this role before and been like pretty fine. Um, I would say you can't expect his full scoring per minute when he comes off the bench like this because or I'm sorry when he starts because when he comes off the bench he just plays with guys just with lower usage and lower skill sets overall so if he steps into the starting lineup you can expect fewer overall shots per minute Uh, but I still think he becomes playable another guy that I think this opens up opportunity for would be Miles Bridges Uh, he played 29 minutes last game against New Orleans Uh, it's pretty effective on a points per minute basis recently this season so you know, if you have this, might be a big tournament only play, but if you think he might be, play a little bit of extra minutes too, he makes for an interesting uh, payoff option. Or uh, I'm sorry, payoff option. I'll be interested to see what Minnesota does defensively here. When Covington played, Covington played uh, with Philly. He actually guarded opposing point guards a lot. Now he was able to do that because Ben Simmons is such a weird kind of anomaly when it came to like what you're what you're kind of running the court with yeah just the sheer they, size of them mm-hmm. they were just able to they were able to do cross matches more than like most other teams were able to do um but justin fan over at fantasy labs who's really I mean, about the best in the business when it comes to basketball so i don't usually give shout outs to people here because why promote others but justin fan had a great tweet about covington that um their de- the wolves defensive rating before the trade with for covington was 114 and it's down to 100 after, which is second in the league, just after just making that one Butler to Whoa. Covington trade, and Gutland, uh, Covington is number two in deflections, number one in steals, sixteen in blocks, and opponents shoot ten percent worse when they're guarded by him. So, um, his number. Like, this was like the one reason when we looked at that Jimmy Butler trade. I even texted you. I was like, "Oh, I hate giving up Covington here. I, you have to do it, I guess." But like, I was like, Covington is unbelievably uh, underrated, and Philly fans that are idiots were like, "Yeah, get Covington out of town." But anyway, um, would that affect? 
would you need to see that happen like in, in Minnesota a lot, like to start downgrading guys like Kemba Walker? I'm, I, this is the reason I bring this up, by the way, is because I know they, the Philly did this. I haven't watched enough of them to know if that's what they're playing here. But knowing that this short-term sample size for Minnesota has been such a change in defense, like how much would we want to start adjusting some of our defensive numbers that we have over the whole season? Like, is this is this warranted for a wholesale change, or is like too small a sample size? Because these are pretty these are pretty incredible numbers with Covington. No, I think you can probably start adjusting it. Um, you know, a huge change in personnel would clearly make a difference. I, I mean, I think for tonight's purposes, probably you just don't want to play Charlotte the non-punt guys on Charlotte anyway, just because Minnesota's been essentially a league average matchup this season, and the Charlotte guys, I think, are already priced pretty aggressively for what they're capable of doing. So I think given the extra context, even if you don't want to go in and mess with your model, the extra context of Covington be there is enough to want to stay away. Yeah, I just think I always love seeing stats like that because like when it's just... There's some guys that are just incredible difference makers on defense. Uh, any other Minnesota guys you're interested in here? The game's got a decent total of 222. I personally feel like most of these Timberwolves guys are just priced accordingly because it's just another year of Thibs just running out the same personnel. Yeah, for that's minutes. really it. I mean, these guys stay out there for long enough. The prices tend to normalize. And the sites in general, I think they err on the side of pricing people a little bit expensively because most players' minutes are coming and going. And that's just not the case on the Timberwolves. And so they're all just priced a little bit too expensive unless they're in the absolute best possible matchups. And then, you know, I guess occasionally, for whatever reason, the the algorithms always hate Taj. I don't know exactly why Taj continues to be the one guy who, on average, uh, pays this price, even though for him, again, the minutes can come and go. Yeah, it's just with him with the minutes. And it's like they yeah. don't even get to, they don't even go directly to Sarich at times. Like he's been 27, 23, 23, 29, yeah. 23 in the last five games. That's my only concern. With yeah, no, no, no. You, you don't want to play him, but just mostly like he's the guy, like when he gets a start and you can feel confident on the minutes, uh, he, we, we probably wind up playing him more than any other T-Wolf, even though we don't run on the Timberwolves very often. Oh, I love me some Taj. Right, two uh, late uh, Clippers go in and play Memphis. Really low total in this one, two thirteen, which is the lowest reported of the slate. Um, the only Dallas and New Orleans doesn't have one, but there's that's going to be pretty much through the roof, I think, once it comes out. Um, uh, these are two teams that just play slow, plotting, very good defense on a huge slate. I guess I don't want to do a full on skip here, but are these two teams that we can probably just ignore i'm not even sure i see a ton of gbp upside just based on the plotting nature of this game i mean do you have any quick thoughts on this game i think we could probably move past it pretty quick no i think we can probably just move past it pretty quick you know kind of unexciting players in general low total good defenses i feel like i wind up anytime these guys these teams are on a small slate i just wind up criticizing them for their daily fantasy uh, right output so not nah, on a big slate like this you're gonna be a full skip for sure from a betting angle, we are pretty much exactly on the implied totals on both sides right. of this game and the over/under. So it's exciting, even, so exciting. Doesn't, doesn't even seem. Yeah, this is crazy. It's like uh, we're uh, within a, a hundredth of a decimal point on the Memphis total, which is that's pretty pretty rare to be that dead on. All right, uh, Pistons go in and play Milwaukee. Two twenty-eight over/under here. Milwaukee seven and a half point favorite. Obviously, Milwaukee been about as good a team in basketball because on the back of Giannis, uh, he's having unequivocally an MVP season right now. They rank fourth overall in RPI to start the season. They're one of the best defensive teams in basketball. But obviously on on any given night, Giannis is the guy that can just win you a tournament and has a huge floor in cash. Is this the night you see him? Like the Detroit matchup warrant it for him uh, at basically the most expensive? Um, Or is this maybe a place that we can maybe fade arguably one of the best basketball players one of the guys best guys in basketball Jeez, best guys in history that's yeah. what I say um, he might go down as it he's, he's awesome man <laughs> like we'll see but anyway what are, you, what are your thoughts on him tonight yeah um, yeah so Detroit not a good matchup uh, but they're not as bad a matchup as they've been in the past either uh, Detroit this year basically middle of the pack pace uh, top 10 defensive efficiency so 
again, you're not excited running guys into them. And given that you have other good, you know, this is kind of a, a major question tonight is do you try to prioritize games that will stay close or do you want to just get the best possible plays? And that's, you know, if you take that as an overall theme, I think Giannis doesn't really check either box. Uh, the Bucks are eight-point favorites, and it's not a very good matchup. So if you compare him as a play to, like, Russell Westbrook, it's not even close in my mind. I mean, Westbrook being uh, the, almost the full $2,000 cheaper and in a better matchup with a similar total, I I don't see a strong case for playing Giannis tonight. Yeah, and the rest of these Bucks, you kind of you you do need sort of like injury stuff to happen with Milwaukee yeah. at this point. They played essentially the exact same rotations the entire year with that Bledsoe, uh, Brogdon, even Brook Lopez, and then Middleton uh, running that top that that four the core group of guys. Um, and whenever that happens, I know sometimes I hate to skip over some of these teams, but from a DFS perspective, when a team has had really no injuries, has had the, basically the same minutes all year outside of just some blowouts. And a lot of those times in those blowouts, the guys get their fantasy run anyway because they just smoke the other team and the game's over. You are going to get what we would consider to be fair pricing on a lot of these guys. And when that's the case, it's just they become a lot less uh, attractive DFS plays. On the Detroit side, really all you're ever considering on a night-to-night basis is the Blake and Drummond effect. And that's all. The only reason I think to even consider Blake here is that, once again, we have just a power forward quagmire on FanDuel where the the, the list of guys is, ever, ever, to a man, everyone is over priced i would say and you just have to roster two of them if a guy like griffin at nine thousand came into a cash game like top cash game lineup for you which is happening right now if you x randall and it, but it's light it's like not it's not a conviction thing would that be something that you would feel comfortable with or not really a spot for blake yeah not really i don't think you want to be again involved in trying to pay a fair price for someone who's an eight point underdog like i don't I just don't see a good reason for it. I, you know, like again, in that mid mid to upper tier, you really need you only get to pick a few of those guys. And, and on a ten game slate, is he really the guy that you would want to invest in? I mean, the one you know feather in his cap, I suppose, is that this position, as always, is complete garbage. So, um, you know, we wind up having to kiss a few more frogs at the power forward position than we do other ones. But in general, I would prefer to not start my lineup that way. Uh, one of the probably the best matchup, the marquee matchup of the night, just from a basketball perspective, yeah. is Philly goes in and plays Toronto. Toronto's a six-point home favorite, 229 over-under. In terms of RPI rankings, Toronto is first and Philly is sixth uh, right now. Uh, this is just this is exactly what you want to see really on a, on a Wednesday basketball if you're tuning in to watch hoops. Uh, well, one other interesting thing about schedule tonight, for such a huge, I will say for a huge schedule of games, there's only one really late game. This is, the DFS lineups are going to be all but over by 10 o'clock tonight because there's there's every game starts at 8 and there's one 10.30 game. Anyway, um, what are your thoughts here? Embiid is a guy. Our system hasn't drawn out a ton for cash games, a little bit more on DraftKings than FanDuel, mostly because it's the, you can just roster those two centers as opposed to just the one on FanDuel. But um, right now at 10-7, and it kind of likes Embiid as a, as a big money payoff against a Raptors team which I believe has not been that good against centers. I'm going to look that up while I kind of babble here. But if would he be a guy like pairing Russ and Embiid on a slate that has guys like Giannis and Davis, is that is that warranted, do you think? Because that's kind of where our system is trending right now. Yeah, I think it's fine. Um, you know, when I, I misspoke earlier saying this game had a low total, the, the total actually is pretty reasonable in this game. And I think when you look at Embiid, you can draw a pretty straight line between his good games and teams that don't have players who can actually cover him and I think that uh, Toronto absolutely checks that box I mean they have a few tall players on their team like Valanciunas but he's a terrible defender and then you have guys like Ibaka who are you know willing defenders but probably a little bit undersized to handle this so yeah I think you can absolutely uh, take a stab on Embiid and I think you're 
probably just, you know, whatever you think about Toronto as a matchup historically, I think Embiid is a singular enough force that you have to look at him, look at him on a case by case and matchup by matchup basis. Yeah, it makes sense. I was just looking at their, some of their DVP numbers this season, and they are that's the one area where they have been exploited from a fantasy perspective. And it makes sense because if you're going to start Ibaka at the five, which is basically what they've been doing, they might make a small change tonight and bring Jonas uh, into the starting lineup. They have done that at times when they have you know a, a singular talent that's coming on the, as a big. Um, but you know, and overall, they've allowed more than average scoring, more way more than average uh, rebounding. Uh, and that's just because a guy like Embiid is going to be a, is definitely going to be a mismatch for them. Uh, yeah, I think I could probably talk myself into it. What about the other side? I don't, there's not much else on Philly that I like from a fantasy perspective. I guess Wilson Chandler, if he were to not play, that would possibly open up some minutes at the wing for guys like Redick or maybe Muscala. Uh, although I'm, not, I'm seeing Wilson Chandler is, is going to play here. What about the Toronto side? Guys like Kawhi, uh, we've targeted him in the past. Um, and guys like Siakam and Abaka are always kind of come into the conversation simply because power forward is like we said many times very weak especially on Fanduel. yeah quiet i think is actually pretty interesting for the same reason actually based on that discussion we were talking about minnesota and their defense and since robert covington has arrived because philly especially if you're using defense versus position stats their defense versus small forwards is going to be heavily influenced by robert covington's presence and if the data suggests that covington is a significantly better defender than butler is then you're going to be in a situation where Kawhi is probably in a better spot than the underlying DVP numbers would suggest. And recently he's been excellent. Um, you know, the minutes have been there. It looks like the plan right now, the Raptors have figured out, is to play Kawhi 36-plus minutes in games at rate to stay close. Uh, this is obviously a pretty significant Eastern Conference rivalry here, and I think he's playable. Um, that that would be... I would want to go back and run the inverse. Like, how, how has defense changed in Philly since Covington has left? Uh, because if anything like the inverse thing has happened, then I think Kawhi becomes very interesting. I think that they have not, I think I looked this up the other day and they had not really taken much of a dip. I didn't look at it per position, but just overall team defense hadn't really dropped uh, for them all that much. Mostly with them is they're so versatile that they, a guy like Covington is going to make a huge difference, but not as big of a difference for a team like Philly that it would. And by the way, they got Butler back too, but they're like guys like Simmons and Embiid are just so good at defense. that It's going to be hard to have a huge, huge drop off. Uh, just considering those guys are like both like top 10 defenders. Uh, let's keep mo- moving on. Two more games to go. Dallas goes in and plays the Pelicans. I'm not seeing a line in this game, although I don't know if one came out and I just haven't refreshed enough here. But th- we have no over-under, but we have the Pelicans as six-point home favorites. The news we're going to be waiting on for sure is Nikola Mirotic. He was a late scratch last game. Um, he is right now questionable. Uh, not so much for the Mirotic factor, but they did start Julius Randle, and he went completely off <laughs> from a fantasy perspective. When he he ended up fouling out before the game was over, but uh, he got he got he put in work before uh, <laughs> before it was all said and done. Um, do we just kind of need to wait and see on? what's happening with the New Orleans side before we can make any real judgments. This is probably something that lineups will hinge on, and I'm I'm hoping by eight, 7 o'clock lock we get the news, but they didn't rule Miritic out till well after lock last time, so I'm not totally confident. Is it too early to give a, 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 an overarching look at this game just because this, this news really does make a big difference? Yeah, I think you just got to wait on news. Um, when it comes to speculating this early in the day, I suppose we can talk about how that news will affect things one way or the other, but I think... Yeah, it's pointless to offer a lot of if-thens unless you have the news in hand. I will say, I mean, what's, what's your take? Like, I feel like you're a little bit more bullish. And Smarter. To say, what's that? Smarter. What were you going to... I just you're was trying looking, to figure out. Exactly. Better looking. Yeah. And I feel like you're a little bit more willing to take on a risk with a guy 
uh, with a questionable tag once we learn that he's actually playing. Uh, and I mean, not, not that Marauder Stink necessarily checks this box, but what do you like? Would you care about playing? Like, say he was going to start, would you be interested mm-hmm. in playing him, or is it just more like if he's out, then viewing the effects after that? Yeah, that's more. It's more like a Julius Randall thing. I don't really. I'm yeah, not yeah. all that well, interested Randall, in Marauder. Randall is just an objectively great play. If, you know, when he when he gets those starting spots, like. He's not someone who has shied away from being heavily involved in the offense uh, when he gets the nod. So it doesn't matter. Brow, Drew Holiday, take a, take a backseat. Julius is in town, baby. One, yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's mostly what I'm looking at. I'm not interested so much in Meredith here. I will say one thing about yeah. your questionable tag, just because we only have one game go, to go and we're going to get out of here. But um, I the, the reason I feel – it, it kind of depends on the situation. If it's a one-game absence for a guy and it was like a late scratch – I kind of evaluate each situation differently. Like, if it was a one-game absence, it was a late scratch, that means the guy was really close to playing and, like, something just came up, right? Like, and, and it's sometimes going to be hard to level which how serious that kind of thing is. And if he's back one game later, I'm like, you can just run that guy at full max minutes. I have no problem a guy coming back from that kind of injury. If it's, like, a 10-game absence, like Curry, then I'm more willing to be like, hey, let's just give him 30 minutes and just kind of see how it goes. Even if the team's like, no minutes limit. You know, sometimes teams will report stuff like that. I'm fine being bearish in those situations. So I guess like for me, it's it's just definitely situation dependent um, on like sort of the length of the absence, the nature of the absence, uh, to decide if I'm going to play a guy who came into the game questionable. Dallas side, I wrote up Donkic because I mostly, the small, uh, excuse me, shooting guard is pretty bad here on FanDuel. Um, he's got sort of coming into his own, uh, they're coming on the back-to-back. He was questionable going into the game. Basically, the whole team was. He's 7,200. We have him at 33 minutes. New Orleans is a great matchup here. Um, they are they run a pretty fast pace and have not played much in the way of defense. They allow a ton. Of, they just do a lot of ton of points. What are your thoughts on Doncic here? Could you actually think about rostering him in cash? <laughs> I, I can't recall how many times we've had a discussion about Doncic, and my answer oh, yeah. I think has been the same every single time. <laughs> so if you, based on that context, you might be able to. Uh, make a guess where this is going. Uh, I just don't like the guy. I don't think he is a reliable source of fantasy production on his price point. I think the minutes are way too erratic, even if you want to look at uh, like the season-long number of minutes or the season-long production. I just don't think there's a strong case for playing him outside of the very best matchups. And I think sometimes where like, it's just so obvious that increased opportunity is there. Now, like, won't Donkic be taking control of the offense? It just doesn't always happen. I, I think he basically gets the ball as much as he's going to get it. And especially on Dallas, even when opportunity opens up elsewhere, it brings in, like, really high-usage guys who don't give a hoot and are happy to shoot a ton and do other stuff too, like J.J. Barea. So, yeah, I'm not a big Donkic guy. I think, as always, I would look at the position and... Shooting guard's pretty bad tonight. Like, I, you know, just my very cursory look over on FanDuel, I was seeing some rather unpleasant names show up. And if it really came down to it and I had to bite the bullet, I could live with Donkic. But my general philosophy is if there's a play I don't like very much, I would rather go cheap at that position and hope to get a little bit lucky than kind of like go mid range and give myself, even if it's a higher floor, it's like a rather bad floor, you know, especially on FanDuel where you can drop your lowest score. So, yeah, I'm not a, not a huge Donkic believer tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to just make uh, clarify one thing. When we, when, Whenever we're talking about like whether we like a guy or not, we're always talking about, we're not talking about, like we're talking about strictly from a DFS perspective. I think some people, sometimes people get confused. Yeah, about I don't that. dislike like, him personally. He's yeah, or, or just even as a basketball player. I think he's good. I think everyone's going to agree he's, he's a great excellent. basketball player. Yeah, he's great. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's just that everyone was too excited about it and... Now he's too expensive. So that, that's all. That I just make. I'm clarifying that we're talking about price and opportunity more than any more than like you know what you are as an overall basketball player. Final game: Spurs go in and play the Lakers. Lakers eight and a half point favorites against the Spurs team that is just getting 
just completely wax. I, like I don't, they are. Forget what you used to know. These aren't your, you know, older cousin Spurs. Like these are these, these guys are just getting killed on a night to night basis. They're allowing a ton of points. The slow plotting, defensively sound team. It, it just doesn't seem like that's the thing anymore. The last five games they've allowed 139, 118, 136, 128, 107, 135. That's the last. That's the last yeah, six games. Yeah, they're a team. They're the second worst team in the league defensively in terms. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it, it's, it's really crazy. I mean, are they just for the Spurs. You know, the, the Spurs are still playing a bottom four pace, and that's what makes them sometimes less than an attractive DFS matchup. But yeah, their defense, they're trash. Um, so I mean, in terms of that, like, if we are we, how much are we factoring the pace part of it too? Because like, are they just a team that we can begin targeting? Like, we, do we can we just start playing guys like LeBron uh, yeah. against the against the Spurs here? Is he does he ring in as something like a cash game play? He's priced well below the superstar level guys that we mentioned before, with something butting up close to the upside that those guys have. Uh, probably doesn't have the same floor. Definitely doesn't have the same floor as guys like Giannis or AD. But uh, what are your thoughts on LeBron? He's coming two thousand cheaper than that that group uh, on Fanduel. Yeah, I like LeBron. I think LeBron is definitely a playable option tonight. Um, I think if you compare him, I guess the interesting comparison would be between him and Giannis, but he's just so much cheaper that I tend to be more of a believer. I think in close games, the plan for LeBron is to play like, you know, 35 to 38 minutes as well. And I think this game, you know, at least as as far as Vegas is concerned, doesn't look like it's going to be, I mean, eight and a half is a... It's, it's, it's again in that no man's land spread, so I guess let, let me reserve that. In my mind, I just assumed this game, this spread was going to be a little bit closer. It's it's farther apart than I thought it would be. Um, so actually, maybe there is some risk here. But given he's a little bit cheaper than Giannis, I don't think he's equally likely to play his minutes. Obviously, he's worse than Giannis on the season, but you know, is he a full $2,000 worse? Probably not. So I think you wind up playing LeBron as a pretty pretty solid pay-up option and against a terrible defense and defenders like Rudy Gay, Dante Cunningham, Davis Bertans, whoever's going to be trying to be out there. LaMarcus Aldridge certainly can't do it. Uh, I think LeBron is in another one of those spots where he's up against a team that simply doesn't have the personnel. And we'll keep an eye on the Spurs here on the back-to-back. It's gonna, it's interesting to see where they're going to land and sort of like how at what point they kind of go into desperation mode. Uh, they uh, have a losing record on the season. Things do not look good, and they're on the back-to-back. Uh, you know, the Stars didn't have to play a lot of minutes last night because they got crushed. Um, so I guess that maybe makes them a little safer, but Pop had, had said that he needed to start resting some of these guys. It looks like they've done more in-game rests um, in terms of just like the Aldridge and DeRozan minutes rather than full-on just, you know, the old Spurs kind of just getting popped sit a guy. Uh, that hasn't really been the case. And this is, again, the Spurs are in a situation where they just keep, they, they're losing more than they're winning. And that's it's going to be a problem if you're just right. trying to get to the playoffs. All right, we're going to get out of here. DFSR.com slash deals gets you started. Our, this will be, the video will be up on YouTube. So go check that out. The link will be in the show notes. Go on over and sign up at the slash deals uh, URL and you will get free seven days to our premium projections premium services and then just $24.95 a month it's a discount for podcast listeners we'll be back again uh tomorrow on our nfl podcast talking some cash games back again friday for game to game on the nfl and friday for basketball as well so we got you all covered in the dfs landscape buddy enjoy your wednesday basketball thanks man see ya Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030.
party. At North Dakota State University, you'll get a hands-on educational experience that's second to none. But you know what else is really great? How affordable NDSU makes it. Minnesota residents pay less, close to the in-state tuition. An exceptional education at a leading research university where loan debt is below the national average. Begin building your life without going into lifelong debt. Start your experience at ndsu.edu.